0: Great to see you. Uh, for those of you who might be new, my name is Ryan. I'm on the teaching team here. Uh, I also get to uh, be part of uh, our team leading our campus uh, up in DeForest. And it's great to be here uh, with you at the Sprecher Road campus, uh, one church, three locations. It's awesome. And we're diving in, I guess, further in uh, on our uh, What Matters series into this uh, issue, this topic of friendship, Uh, friendship. So what is friendship? You ever try to define it? It's actually really hard to define because uh, there are a lot of places in our lives where there's uh, a lot of friendliness happening, but, but what is true friendship? I think friendship is hard to define, but you know it when you see it. Uh, so this last week, uh, not this last week, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, a birthday party at our house for our eight-year-old, uh, who is right over there, uh, and he turned eight, and it was it was like you know organized chaos. Just all these friends came over, and I don't know, you know, back in the day, it was like you just get pizza and candy, and you you turn them loose. Uh, but today, like this, like nowadays, it you know we have gluten-free kids. Dairy-free kids, vegan kids, and it's a little bit more complicated, but it's just as fun. And you know, it's just this mass of like uh, second-grade tornado, just kind of going around the yard, and and it's so fun. It reminded me of when I was eight, and I had uh, some. uh, Well, I had a bowl cut. Anyone else? Yeah, it's it shaped me into who I am today. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thorn in the flesh. Uh, and, and like a neon track jacket. I just was looking at this picture like, what was that about? Thanks, Mom. Anyway, so I was eight and I had these really good friends. Uh, their, par- their, their dad was a pastor and their names were, I kid you not, Luke and Paul. <laughs> um, just, but pastors name their kids Bible names. This is what they do. And and we uh, we had a lot of fun together and we were friends and there was this field near where we lived that had a big pit in it. It's almost like someone who owned a backhoe just got bored one day and just dug a big hole and then left. And it was great for us because, you know, we called it the dinosaur footprint. And we would go out there and we would kind of just, you know, sit in the mud and just like dig around and stuff. And I remember we, we thought, let's dig a tunnel to our houses. And so we started digging. We got, you know, like a foot and a half in, and then we gave up, but it became like this little den, this little like dirt mud cave thing for us, but to us, it was like it was our base. It was our fort, and uh, when we were out and about, we were just Ryan and Luke and Paul, but when we were in the dinosaur footprint in our little fort, we were warriors, right? We were, uh, we were overcomers, and, and that's, what, that's kind of the essence of friendship, right? Because Ecclesiastes uh, tells us that two are better than one, why? Because when one falls down, uh, the other is there to pick them up, but woe to the person who doesn't have someone to pick them up when they fall. Friendship is harder to find, but you know it when you see it. It comes through in ordinary places, in ordinary times, with ordinary people sometimes by surprise. So fast forward a couple decades and my wife and I were in a hospital room uh, holding our son, who, her newborn son, who was taking his last breaths, dying in the hospital room. But we weren't alone. We weren't alone. And we were together, but we had, uh, we had a friend with us. Her name was Noemi. She didn't need to be there, you know? But she chose to put herself in that room with us in a very dark time in our lives. An ordinary person in an ordinary place. And the, the, like God's presence and his ministry of comfort and kindness was manifested just through her being here. She didn't have much to say, you know? She wasn't like giving inc- this incredible deep advice. It's not that her, her being there made it all better, but she was there, friendship, Two are better than one. You know it when you see it. Friendship, I'm convinced, is kind of a taste of of the Garden of Eden. The Genesis 1 world that God created for us that was all good. It's this taste of of how life was meant to be. Genesis 1 uh, taste in a Genesis three world. So Genesis three is where Adam and Eve rejected God and became instantly isolated from God uh, with whom we are meant to have a perfect relationship and isolated from one another. And everything is unraveled from there with betrayal and mistrust and self-centeredness and, and all of this kind of stuff. But friendship is this, it brings us in some way back to the Garden of Eden. But have you noticed, have you noticed that in our Genesis three world, that friendship is really hard? I mean, when I talk to people about friendship, there's almost like a sadness that comes over them because it's really, really difficult. I mean, have you noticed you could be surrounded by friendly people 24 hours a day and still feel utterly alone? Have you noticed that, that making a friend and nurturing a friendship is almost like an uphill against the wind battle? Have you ever got the sense that friendships, the friendships that you have had that were really strong are just always dying and you constantly have to like feed them? And it's, it's just remarkable. Some people I was best friends with just years ago are now almost like polite acquaintances, you know? And this is, this is part of the reality of living in our Genesis 3 world, this, this reality of, of isolation. And, and this is not just an individual thing, this is actually, uh, health professionals are calling this uh, a global epidemic. So Theresa May, who was recently the prime minister in the UK, uh, one of the things she did while she was in office was she appointed a loneliness minister. Like that's a thing, you know? And and here's what Theresa May said, for far too many people loneliness is the sad reality of the modern life. That's in the U.K. Here in the U.S., uh, the problem is actually much greater. The rates of loneliness are much higher. They've actually doubled since the 1980s. And that's crazy because technology has brought us to this place where we are infinitely more connected than we were decades ago, and yet we're far more lonely and isolated. Uh, A couple of our surgeon generals have have uh, teed into this. One surgeon general is called loneliness the great pathology of our day. Uh, George Gallup, uh, part of the Gallup poll said Americans are among the loneliness uh, people in the world. Uh, we have uh, a surgeon general who said loneliness and weak social connections, this is a quote, are associated with a reduction in lifespan. So it's actually shortening our lives. Uh, similar, Uh, to what is caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So we have to come to terms with God's diagnosis for us in Genesis two, when God said, it is not good for man, which is just the word for humanity in the Hebrew, so it includes women, to be alone, it is not good for man to be alone. We live in a Genesis 3 world. We were created for a Genesis 1 world, but we live in a Genesis 3 world. And Jesus has come to reconcile us to God and to one another. You know that God cares about our friendships. This matters to God, and it should matter to us, Jesus' prescription, uh, uh, the prescription of a wise, good doctor, the, the one who designed humanity, knows what's best for humanity, and he said, love one another as I have loved you, it's from John 13. So this is the goal that we want to get to, but friendship always gets put on the back burner, it's, it's so, so fascinating. Every culture does this, why, well because it's, it's not It's not necessary. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a book called The Four Loves and in it he has this chapter which is this really incredible essay on friendship and I encourage you uh, to pick it up. I think it's like eight bucks uh, for the Kindle version and here's what C.S. Lewis said about friendship and how unnecessary it is. Uh, Friendship is unnecessary like philosophy like art, like the universe itself, for God did not need to create. It has no survival value, rather it is one of those things which gives value to survival. What is he saying? He's saying you don't need a a friend uh, to provide economic value to you. Like a true friend isn't about the value exchange, like, like your relationship with maybe your coworker. Or your relationship with your doctor or your mechanic or your hairdresser. Like, I sit in a chair to get my hair cut uh, every six weeks or so, and we chat, and it's like friendly chatting, you know. But I'm doing that. I'm being friendly with her, uh, not because I want to be her best friend, but because I don't want her to do a a bad job, you know? Um, I don't want a bowl cut again. And I'm just trying to avoid that. And when I get my tires rotated, or I'll be honest, actually my wife does more of that kind of stuff than I do, Yeah, uh, so when she gets her, our tires rotated, uh, she, you know, maybe shakes the the hands of the guy who did that, not because she wants to invite him to come on our family vacation, you know, but because there's a friendliness in civic uh, neighborly exchange, and and that's important, but that's not true friendship. True friendship doesn't give you thrills and heartthrobs like a romantic relationship does. You know, it's interesting, uh, just think about how many pop songs do you know that are about romance and love and sex. A lot. How many of you know about friendship? Right? Like our culture has is, is got this all wrong. Um, you don't need friendships to survive. Like you need family to survive. And because of that, every culture has put friendship, true friendship, on the back seat. So what we're going to do today is look at the biblical idea of what a true friend is, and we're going to go mostly to the book of Proverbs. Uh, After that, we're going to talk really quickly about how do you you find a good friend, and then just flesh out a couple things that that are inevitably going to happen in our minds, like, okay, I'm really busy. Um, I've been taught that I I shouldn't need people, that that's actually actually a sign of weakness. Um, I've been hurt by friends before. So we're going to try to chase down some super practical things so we can go out and discuss Uh, the beauty of true, ordinary friendship. So uh, here's what we're gonna look at uh, from Proverbs. That a true friend is always available, always affirming, always honest, and always aware. A true friend is always available, affirming, honest, and aware. And we're coming to the book of Proverbs uh, because this is where the creator of humanity is shining the light of his wisdom on the human soul. And we're going to glean what we can uh, for friendship here because God knows what's best for us. So let's start with always available. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of Adversity. So when is the right time for true friendship? What does it say? All times, all times, right? So times when you're up, times when you're down, exciting times, ordinary times, um, happy times, depressed times, they're all times for true friendship. But, but this becomes difficult Because uh, when we are up, everyone wants to be around us. Everyone wants to be around you when you're happy, energetic, healthy, you know, funny, all that kind of stuff. But what about when we're not? You know, everyone goes through bouts of sadness or bouts of depression or low energy, so, so there's that, but what about people who uh, chronically deal with this stuff? And this is a reality. Like what about those of us who depression isn't like a, a rabbit trail, it is the path for us. What do we do? Uh, Mindy Kaling, uh, she was Kelly Kapoor in The Office, any fans? We're, it's like embedded in my uh, psyche. I've, we watched it way too many times. We even, we're super unhealthy. We even have like the DVD backups of The Office for when NBC finally pulls the plug from Netflix. Anyway, pray for me. Uh, but Kelly Kapoor, uh, Mindy Kaling wrote a book uh, entitled Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me, which is just an awful. Awesome title, and and she she really uh, uh, was transparent about her own battle with depression. And here's what she said: As everyone knows, depressed people are some of the most boring people in the world. I know this because when I was depressed, people fled, except my best friends. Have you ever felt down? You know, and, and you have people coming and trying to help you, encourage you, what are you doing in that moment? You're probably apologizing, right? I'm sorry, I'm not normally like this. I know I'm a drag to be around, you know. And, and you're trying to discern, are they just here because they feel sorry for me or are they here because they want to be with me? And a true friend is always available because all times are times for friendship. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 18, uh, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than A brother, this tells us a couple things. It tells us mainly the difference between a companion and a friend. What's the difference? What's the difference between a companion and a friend? I mean, we're supposed to read this and go, wait, how can someone with many companions come to ruin? That doesn't make any sense. Well, the difference is when life becomes hard uh, and you need not just a little bit of help, but a lot of help, a lot of support, a lot of encouragement, when you're emotionally needy, uh, a companion says, call me if you need anything, but a friend is there. A companion uh, sees you for the utility you might be able to provide for them, but a friend, for the friend, you are an end to yourself. So a friend, a true friend is always available. A true friend is also someone who cheers on the best for you. So a true friend is always affirming. So let's look at this, uh, Proverbs 27:9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. What kind of advice? Heartfelt advice. So do you know that friendships have an aroma? They have a smell. Smell is interesting. Uh, it's, It's probably the least essential Uh, sense for the human race, right? So we could probably all lose our sense of smell and still pretty much survive, although we would enjoy maybe our favorite foods, you know, a little bit less, whatever. Uh, So smell is like that. Smell is also highly subjective. So what smells good to me might not necessarily smell good to you. Who loves the smell of coffee in the morning? A few of us, all right. Bacon. Okay, Uh, vegans, come on, don't be shy the smell of bacon is disgusting to you in the morning, right? Uh, So how about this, Uh, when we lived in Nevada, um, we, uh, we remembered like, oh yeah, this is what it's like to live in a place that doesn't have farms. And that's kind of what we, our kids became used to. And then when we moved back here uh, about a year and a half ago, we, I remember the very first time we drove around like, you know where I'm going with this, around a dairy farm, uh, and our kids experienced for the first time, just, you know, Wisconsin, right? And they were like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like, something died, right? But what does a dairy farmer do? A, a dairy farmer drives past a farm and they roll down their window and they take a deep breath. Ah, and they say fresh air, right? It, heartfelt advice is like that. It's, it's like that because it depends on the person. It depends on the person. It has to fit the specific person. It has to, when you give heartfelt advice, it has to say to that person, I know you. I know you in particular. See, a lot of people trip up with giving advice uh, in their friendships because what they do is they they think they heard what they're saying and they're just going off and giving the same advice that they give to everybody else. You've experienced that? Or worse yet, they're giving advice based on their own experience, not from what you're actually saying. And that hurts. That, that actually cuts into uh, true friendship. And I think the best example I can think of in all of scripture of a moment of heartfelt advice is, is uh, in Jonathan and David. So you may know this story, uh, David is anointed king, he's this young kind of rising star in Israel, but Saul is uh, jealous and murderous and hunting David down. And so then there's Jonathan who is Saul's son, who in, in a lot of ways is the rightful heir to the throne, but God has anointed David. What does Jonathan do? He befriends David, and they enter into this brotherhood of of covenant, and in this moment when David is discouraged and down and doubting, Jonathan enters the scene and affirms him in this way. Uh, We catch up in 1 Samuel 23. Jonathan says, don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him, My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel and I will be next to you. Did you catch what Jonathan did? He reminded David of his destiny. He reminded David of who he really is. He said, you are the king. And then he said, I'm gonna be right there with you. That's what a friend does. A friend is always affirming. But affirmation isn't complete without honesty without honesty and a, a true friend is always honest. Let's look at Proverbs nine five. Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. The Hebrew word uh, behind this word flattery is actually, it, it uh, literally means smoothing over. It's, it's, it's a, a friend or a so-called friend who looks at you and they see these rough patches but they kind of gloss over that, why? Because they're afraid to tell you what they're really seeing in you. Do you need to know what they're really seeing in you? Yes, you do. Yes, you absolutely do. See, when, you, when a friend goes out of their way to ignore something that really needs to be addressed, what this is telling us is they're not really being a friend. They're actually trapping you. They're putting your foot in a bear trap and, and their own foot in a bear trap because they're not giving you a realistic perspective of your strengths and your weaknesses. They're letting you be out of touch with reality. Um, any international travelers here? So when you come into another country, uh, you go through customs and the first thing you do is you, you walk up to a very intimidating person uh, behind a kiosk and they ask for what? Your, your passport right? So you, you take your passport out and you put it on the thing and they look at it and they look at you and they look at it and they look at you. And, um, and then if it's, it's valid, then they'll stamp it and they'll let you into the country. What, what are they doing? They're trying to certify that you're there for the right reasons and before they let you in. And you and I, we need friends who will stamp our passports to reality. We need someone who's going to look at us and catch us when, when we go down trails of, of like selfish responses to people, wrong thought patterns, or, or even more importantly yet, when we're directly going against what God has ordained for us. We need friends who say, no, 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 no. That's, that's not how this world works. We need friends who can stamp our passport to reality. We need friends who are honest and won't let us live in a dream world or an illusion. But have you ever had someone say a hard thing at a really wrong time? You know, timing's important. Uh, or, or maybe they're, they're saying a hard thing but they don't actually know what's happening in your life and the reason. Like they're just kind of jumping in, you know, with their, their advice or their, their judgment or their critique. So being available and, and affirming and honest isn't entirely what a true friend is. A true friend also needs to understand the context of your life because a true friend is always aware. Let's look at Proverbs 25, 17. Seldom set foot. We're gonna go through a whole bunch of Proverbs try, like really quickly right here. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house too much of you and they will hate you. Like, wait a second. Didn't, didn't we just hear that Friends are always supposed to be available, right? Um, well, yeah, but not too much. Not too much. Have you ever had a friend that's just like a little desperate? Like, whoa, like we just talked on the phone. Why are you calling me again? Um, well, what this is literally saying in the Hebrew is make your foot rare. Why? Well, because when something is rare, it's more valuable than when it's common, right? So, so pay attention to that. Proverbs uh, 26, 18 to 19. Like a maniac, I like where this is going, shooting flaming arrows of death, by the way, that's my next band name. Um, It's good, is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. What's this about? This is about taking a joke too far, true friend, Doesn't do that. Uh, Let's keep going. Proverbs 27, 14. If anyone loudly blesses, (laughs) I like blesses, their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. That'd be like me going next door to our neighbor Gene and pounding on the door at six in the morning. What's up, Gene? Are you ready for the day? Let's do this. Or, you know, like you you wake up your kids, like, time for school. Let's do this. Uh, Or your spouse, don't recommend that. You know, that's just, you know, if you're not married yet, just tuck that away. Um, what, is, what is this saying? You know, what is this saying? Why does a man who says, I was only joking, or, or a man who's just okay to loudly bless their neighbor at totally the wrong time, what does that mean? It means that they're emotionally disconnected. There's a Proverbs uh, 25, uh, 20, that sums this up really well. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound, haven't done that, that sounds terrible, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. So the type of songs here in the Hebrew is really a song of joy. Who sings a song of joy to someone who is sad? Someone who is totally disconnected from where you are. Totally disconnected. It's a kind of person who can be happy when you're sad. Is that a true friend? No. Or, or the kind of person that when something really amazing has happened in your life, they're mopey and self-centered or jealous. That's not a true friend. And guys, this is, this is why, like you can see this super high standard for friendship. This is why it's hard to have any friend, let alone a lot of friends, because it's emotionally exhausting. And it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be that way. Because friendship means that you are walking the same emotional path together. So, there you go, we need a true friend who's always available, always affirming, always honest, always aware. So we could just end here and be like, good luck. You know? But how are you doing? You know, I think we, like I, I was going through the Proverbs, and this is kind of what what Proverbs is like, you, you read through and you go, well, that sounds great, but man, that is not my reality at all. Like, I don't know anyone like this. Anyone who's always available when I need them. Anyone who is as affirming as I wish they could be or as honest as I need them to be when it, even when it's difficult or as aware of the context of my life as I need them to be. So we're left kind of like, man, Is there any hope for finding a true friend? We're also left, if if you're wise and if you're paying attention, we're left with this other feeling of kind of being hopeless and, and a little crushed, maybe a little guilty because we look at this and we go, I'm never gonna be that friend. I'm never gonna be able to be all that a true friend should be. And we realize in that moment that true friendship isn't just about finding the right person, it's also about becoming the right person. And what hope do we have to do that? Well, it turns out that that Jesus offers a kind of friendship that actually invites us into the truest kind of friendship and empowers us to grow into the true friends that we long for. How? How? Well, the night before Jesus died, this is what he said to his followers. I no longer call you slaves. Instead, I call you friends. This is remarkable. And it's it's at that moment that we realize in John chapter 15 that the whole biblical story from Genesis to Revelation really can be summed up as a story about true friendship. That, that we were created for true friendship in the Genesis one world, that we denied true friendship with God in Genesis three, and that God has stepped back into our world to reconcile himself to us when he did not need to, when, when, we, were, when we were not true friends. And we look back at over, uh, these, these wise sayings in Proverbs and we realize that what they were doing for us is they're kind of creating the outline of a person, not a hypothetical ideal that we should just work hard and strive for, but an actual person and that person is Jesus. And we realize that he is the true friend that our hearts have always longed for. And he deals with our isolation by inviting us back into perfect friendship with him. Because what ultimately, like, what does this all boil down to? A true friend is someone who sets aside their own interests and their own health and their own safety for the sake of their friend. And that's what Jesus did for us. He said that that a true friend is one who lays down his life for his friends. And that's what he did on the cross. And his friendship invites us into friendship with him, it also empowers us to be a new kind of people that can grow into the true friends that we long for. How does he do that? Well first, he, he, uh, he invites us to become complete in him. You know, and, uh, when God was describing what's happening in marriage uh, in, back in the book of Genesis chapter two, he said the two will become what? One. One, and that was about marriage, and that's true about marriage. Uh, It can also be true in in a certain way about relationships. See, he didn't say, and the halves will become whole, you know? He didn't say take two incomplete broken people and put them together and then they're gonna make each other better. Actually, they make each other worse. And by the way, that's why it's important before marriage to become complete in Christ. And it's just as important before friendship to become complete in Christ before we go out looking uh, to be friends uh, with others. Because when, uh, when we, our deepest longing is met in Jesus, we begin this lifelong journey of becoming like him. And becoming like him is becoming the truest version of ourselves, the, the version of ourselves we are meant uh, to be. You may say, well, I, you know, I've, been, I've tried this. I've been rejected. I've been disappointed by people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have. You know, you've been disappointed by Christians. You've been disappointed by pastors, sorry, you know? But what Christ does is he he gives us a new perspective and he invites us, those who have been rejected, to stop holding out for kind of our picture of what a true friend should be and open our eyes to the kind of friend God has already put in our life. Starting there. So how how do you just start? So we're going to get just super practical here. How do we take a step into uh, friendship? Uh, So I mean, there's a lot of advice here. You can read C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, but let me just say this, that you start with people who aren't strangers. Start with people who aren't strangers. What do I mean? Uh, Well, you start with people you've already crossed that stranger barrier with. So I I wouldn't recommend walking up to someone on the street and be like, hey, you want to be friends with me? It's not gonna work, Um, maybe after Jesus comes back, but not right now. So start with neighbors, uh, fellow churchgoers, uh, fellow parents in school, or if you're in school, fellow students, you know, you've already crossed that barrier and they're no longer a stranger. Or, Or better yet, here, get into a group activity, why? Because friendship has to be about something. It has to be about something. There's this great C.S. Lewis quote. uh, He says, that is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else beside friends. Lovers stand face to face, uh, friends stand shoulder to shoulder doing something. Those who have nothing to share can share nothing, those who are going nowhere will have no fellow travelers. And this takes time, it takes time. So you step into something where you're, you're doing something that, you're, that you love, that you're called to, and just start to put on these goggles that are looking for someone else who, who holds, like, sees the same truth that you see. Because there's gonna be a moment that you go, wait, you too? I thought I was the only one. And that's the beginning of friendship. That's where it starts. So, what about the introverts? Uh, and I know you're here. Probably about half of us here, but you're not going to raise your hand even if I ask you. Uh, it's <laughs> such is the nature of being an introvert. So, there's there's this threshold you have to cross of like introducing yourself, and you know it, it can be something that's dreaded um, and, and awkward, right? It's this awkward thirty seconds, uh, but we all have to do it. So, uh, is there anyone like me that you hate to swim in cold water? Yes, okay, and you know your kids jump in or your friends or your family jump in and they're having a great time and you're like, I'm not doing that, no way. Uh, but you know what, that you have to do what? You just have to dive in, right? You just get in, get over your head, get it over with and you're gonna be just totally uncomfortable for about a minute and then you're gonna be fine or 30 seconds or whatever. And that's what making introductions is like. And it's so funny. Like, I watch, you know, in in our church atriums, and I see people who they're like, and they walk away. It's like, no, no, just take, just embrace the awkward 30 seconds. It's okay. And here's how you do it you just walk up and you say, Hi, I'm Ryan. Or, you know, you say your name. That would be weird if you said I'm Ryan. Uh, (laughs) What's your name? How long have you been coming to Door Creek? Great. Uh, And then you, you carry on. And the awkward 30 seconds is over. And who knows? Who knows uh, what's happened? One of the things that we hear the most in our church uh, from people who are new is, "Why doesn't everyone wear name tags?" And we're like, well, because that would be—that's a terrible idea, basically, and no one would like it. Uh, but 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 it may, might help. I don't know. We're we're not going to do that. But um, just just embrace the awkward 30 seconds. Uh, now there are people here who are self-reliant, you know, and, and you're kind of listening with. You know, maybe your arms crossed a little bit. Uh, and, and here's why, I think it's, it's, it might be because you have this idea that you don't need anyone else. And that needing someone else or, or wanting friendship is actually a sign of weakness. That used to be a really strong thing in our culture, it's still there, it's still there. So this, this extreme kind of cowboy individuality. And so let me just invite you to consider that it's actually okay it's okay, and, and more than that, it's actually a beautiful thing to depend on other people. I mean, think about it. You woke up today, and you ate food you didn't grow. You put on clothes that you didn't sew, and you, you drove here in a car that you did not build, right? Maybe you're more dependent on people than you think, and that's okay. It's okay. And, and maybe for you, it's just step into trusting God's diagnosis that is actually not good for you to be alone, it's not good to be alone. Uh, so, there are people here who are busy. You're busy. Um, probably most of us would say, I'm just really busy. And that's why friendship is on the back burner. So, a couple th- encouragements for you. I mean, the obvious thing, guys, is are, are we gonna obey? Are we gonna trust in, in God's uh, prescription for us? You know, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. It's really hard to do that when you're by yourself or you're just with your family or just with your little tribe. So the obvious thing here is say, you're gonna have to say no to good things. so You can say yes to the best things. And maybe a helpful step into that is just to start maybe for a week or two, pay attention to how you spend your time. You know, are you, are you trusting God's counsel, God's command to, uh, to move out of the poverty of isolation into the richness of friendship. And maybe something else that will be helpful, this has been helpful for us, is uh, stop confusing hospitality with entertaining. Entertaining is where you present a Photoshop version of your life to someone that you invite into your perfect home, you know, whatever. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of time. Hospitality is inviting friends into your everyday life. One of those builds friendships, one paints a veneer, uh, a picture of you that's not real. So, there you go. Now, there's another group in here uh, who you have friends. You know, you're good. You're actually here and you're like, I'm pretty fulfilled in this, so what am I supposed to do? And I would say, don't feel guilty that you have friends. Woo-hoo, like you're a pastor saying, don't feel guilty about something. Mark it on your calendar. Don't feel guilty that you're fulfilled in your friendships. You do not, this is not about abandoning your friends to start new friends. I heard this advice uh, from another pastor in our denomination, Larry Osborne, super helpful. Uh, He compared people to Lego pieces. Uh, So Lego pieces have connectors, uh, these little bumps on Lego pieces. And every piece, uh, like some pieces have more connectors, some have less, but everyone has a certain number of connectors. And the thing about, uh, people is that we all have relational connecting points. Uh, and, and when there's one empty, it just drives us crazy and we long to get connected there. We long for friendship. And so, this is like when you're new in town, you know, or you're new to a church, you're just like, who can I connect with? And you, you, they have this look in the eye. By the way, we have literally, it's literally called connecting point for those of you who are new, right after this service, right back there. I highly encourage you to go say hi to someone. Uh, but those of you who have friendships, you coming in here, you're like, oh, I want to connect with so-and-so and so-and-so. And you're, you're nurturing the friendships you have. So if you're new, just understand that. People who are fulfilled in their friendships, they're not trying to be mean. They're just, their connectors are full. Right? And for you who are fulfilled in your friendships, just understand that probably the most generous thing you can do is look for someone who's new and connect them with someone else who is new and get out of the way. Super helpful when I first heard that. So... It's group up. Um, We believe very strongly one of the marks of someone who is growing in Christ is that they're stepping out of the poverty of isolation into the richness of community. And by the way, we have something here as Christ followers that you do not have around the world or anywhere else. You have a common um, value and a common truth in the person of Jesus which enables us to have deep thriving friendships with people who are vastly different from us. It's a beautiful thing about Christian friendship. The beautiful thing about diversity here. Groups is one of the main ways that we do that. So um, if you are here and you're like, you know what, I just kinda want my friendships to grow organically, that's kind of a buzzword. absolutely, that's exactly what we want. We're just creating the structure uh, to to make that happen for you. Every vine needs a trellis, otherwise it'll die on the ground. So groups is kind of our trellis. If you've stepped into a group, great. If you haven't yet, or you're on the fence, come and say hi to us at our group up table. We've got groups going on uh, for all sorts of people, or better yet, start a group. Start a group. You've got space in your apartment or your home or whatever uh, or you want to just be a part of a team that leads a group. Go, come and say hi to us. We'd love to equip you to do that. Well, let's pray. Uh, and it's, it's getting to Packer o'clock. So. <laughs> Father, we're so, we're so grateful uh, for your diagnosis and your prescription. We're so grateful that you designed us to be connected to each other and that's actually how you minister to us is through one another. So God, I pray you take away fear, take away apathy. Uh, I pray that you would cut through excuses today, move us into the richness of community. Thank you for my friends, I pray that we would go here more full than when we came. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus, amen.